mindfulness mode 414. I could make out one word and that was shot. And immediately my body just went into shock. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness right here once again on Mindfulness Mode. Now today's episode is about mental and emotional growth. And our guest today had such a great story to share and I truly enjoyed spending the time with her. I'm hoping you'll enjoy listening to this interview just as much as I enjoyed speaking with her. Have you ever thought of launching your own podcast? That's something that almost anyone can do. And I want to tell you that you will need to do some research and figure out how to do it. One of the things is you'll need a host, a place to upload your episodes. And Podbean is where I upload mine and Podbean is wonderful. The cost is reasonable. They're so helpful. They're built specifically for podcasters and they've been around for 10 years. Like I said, the pricing is super competitive. It's $9 a month no matter how much content you upload and they have great stats as well. You can help support Mindfulness Mode and get a month for free with my affiliate link. So just go to podbean.com forward slash podbeanmm, standing for Mindfulness Mode. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's interview with Karen Millsap. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I hope you're ready for a great interview because we have a wonderful guest here. I'm so excited to talk to to Karen. I have Karen Millsap with me today. Hey, Karen, are you in mindfulness mode today? Oh, I am. (laughs) That's the mode that I live in, or at least try to. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Bruce. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. I'm very excited to talk to you. So, Karen, I'm going to take a second to introduce you to Mindful Tribe and tell a little bit about you. Karen Millsap is the founder of the community Growflow. At only 29 years old, she suddenly became a widow when her husband, Richard, was tragically killed. On her journey of healing, she discovered immensely effective habits and lifestyle changes that helped her find her way back to a whole heart. Karen is also the founder and CEO of Agency, spelled E-G-E-N-C-Y. This is a training firm that helps organizations create a human-centric culture with compassion and empathy. Her client list includes NBC's Golf Channel, Sprint, Universal Studio Resorts, and many more. Karen's work's been featured in Forbes, on Good Morning Washington, and a variety of other places as well. She's also a regular contributor to Thrive Global. So Karen, what does mindfulness mean to you? Oh man, I think that I've been on a journey of mindfulness that I certainly never expected, but it started when my husband passed away. So for me, mindfulness is being aware of your thoughts and also reframing them to benefit you. So I, I got really immersed in mindfulness because after experiencing such a tragedy, of course I was stuck in a negative thought cycle, right? I mean, it felt like everything was coming against me. Um, but more so I didn't want to, although our family, we were a victim, right? He was murdered. So that is absolutely, I would say a qualifying victim, (laughs) but I didn't want the victim mindset. I had a little boy, you know, my son who needed me and, uh, 
And so for me, I knew that the battlefield was in the mind and I needed to start there. And so honestly, I started adapting uh, mindfulness habits without even knowing that it was mindfulness. <laughs> and yeah. so, and then as I started to explore, I realized, okay, yeah, there, this is actually a thing. It's not just a survival technique. And then I got more immersed in learning about mindfulness. So have you always wanted to avoid that victim mentality? Did that, was that the way you were even long before this happened in your life? I don't think that um, having a victim mentality was ever introduced to me. You know, my, my family, um, we were uh, Air Force family. Uh -huh. So we were always, you know, in different countries. We were um, adapting to uh, new places. And, and so I never felt like any odds were against me. Um, and even my dad is a great example of just not being um, introduced to a victim mindset because he lives with a uh, neurological disease where he's basically a prisoner in his own body. And I've never seen him complain. Wow. So I just haven't been exposed to that victim mindset. So I don't think that it came to mind until I was consumed by misery and I felt like I wanted to give up. And then I kind of realized, oh, wait, hold on. I, I have a choice here. I could give up. Mm -hmm. or I could choose not to. And then that's when I decided, okay, how am I going to live this? Am I going to live this with that victim mindset? Because again, we were victims. This person just came in and, and that's how it, you know, played out. But I didn't want that. I, at that point, in my deepest moment, I chose to just rebel against that. Are you able to tell us a little bit about what happened just to give us a little bit of backstory? Yes, of course. I'm happy to. Um, I was 29, uh, married to my husband, Richard. We had been married. We had just celebrated our two-year anniversary, but we had been together for five years. Right. Um, we had two little ones, my stepdaughter and my son, um, and life was good. He was a CrossFit coach. He had just opened up his own box. So as an entrepreneur and, uh, and then myself, we, we were just loving life. You know, we were at yeah. the very beginning stages and, and actually at the time we were trying to have more kids, you know, we wanted to grow. We wanted to just expand the love, I guess you mm -hmm. could say. Um, and then one evening I was at home and I was doing an interview with a VP and as I'm on the phone with the VP and I noticed my cell phone is going off, I was using the house phone for the interview. And my cell phone kept buzzing and buzzing. And after a few minutes, I looked over, I turned it over and looked at it. And I realized that the same person had been calling me and she was one of the members of our gym. And so the next time she called, which is almost immediately when I was turning it over to see who had been calling, I picked it up at the same time I was putting the candidate on mute because they were answering a question. And all I heard was screaming on her end. Um, I say this in, in different talks that I, I just, I couldn't, hear what she was saying but i could make out one word and that was shot and immediately my body just went into shock i mean it was it, it, it's so hard to describe but i mean it was basically like my body was convulsing Mm -hmm. And so uh, I picked up my son and um, I took him over to the neighbors and I said, you know, I'm not sure what happened, but I, I need to get over to the gym. And I remember Bruce thinking when I pulled up to the light right before the gym um, that I eventually ran, because I don't think cops can arrest me now that I've, I have admitted that. But uh, I thought to myself, why am I not on my way to the hospital? Because I didn't know that he died. I only knew that he had been shot. And when I got to the gym location, um, I found out, I don't remember who told me, but I found out that somebody came in and shot my husband while he was teaching his evening CrossFit class. Um, and that was five years ago, and we still don't have, uh, we don't know who it was. So, And you um, don't know what the motive was or anything like that? 
No, no. You know, uh, an officer later told me, he said, you know, we went through all of his emails, all of his calls, his text messages, and something like this, there's usually a very strong motive, right? Like there's money owed, or there's an affair, or there's drugs involved. Like it's something that's really, he said, all we could see was that he loved God, he loved his job, and he loved his family. He said, so I don't know if that gives you any you know, peace of mind, but we just could not find that strong motive. And so even though we don't have um, you know, a person, we can't pin this on one person. I will say that I made a decision in that first year that I was not going to let finding who this was um, be the catalyst for my healing. I was going to own my own healing and I wasn't going to wait for, you know, that person to be identified to start my healing journey. So. Good for you. And and you went forward dealing with your own grief, I'm assuming, based on what you're saying. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think we ever stop grieving. I no. think that it just, we learn how to manage it in our life. And for parents, you're not just grieving your own loss, you're grieving for your kids. You know, my son constantly is talking about his dad and just had a, a moment the other day in school where he was crying because he was writing an assignment and he started to miss his dad. And so we have such a compounded grief, uh, mm-hmm. you know, as as widows and widowers for our children. Um, so yeah, it's just, I don't think it's something that you ever get over. Wow, wow. And then you just, you just moved forward after a period of time. And what's the first thing you did as far as your business and, and your, you know, everything you were doing that way? Mm-hmm. I was um, in a fog, I would say for two years, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at, at the right after one year, I was let go from my job and talk about another blow, right? It was just, I mean, there were so many other losses that came, but um, although I was hurt by that, because there really was no reason for it to happen. I took Mm. it as um, a divine intervention. (laughs) Incredible. It pushed me into this space because my heart was to serve grievers and specifically to help grievers build healthy habits, but also to help leaders in organizations learn how to manage grief in the workplace. You know, we're not robots. We can't turn it off. So at that year, I just, I had the opportunity to start exploring this, but it wasn't until the following year, again, you know, it took me about two years to get out of my fog where I really started to pull these pieces together. And I just started first creating a, um, a training program that showed how do you handle grief in the workplace? You know, what is practical empathy look like so that people don't end up losing their job if they're also working through a loss or some sort of trauma. Um, But as I was doing that, there were grievers who were attracted to this story, uh, my story. And so I just started sharing what helped me, what helped me get back on my feet and get my legs under me, what helped me to be a good mom and not a, a broken mom. Um, And so there were little habits that I started to build. And again, the very first one that I talk about with my people is mindfulness, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it is so easy to um, be bitter. It is so easy to want to live in misery. But if you recognize that, yes, I am going to feel pain, I am going to feel sadness, because what I'm going through is crappy, and it should not have happened. Whatever that looks like, you can own those feelings, but not be driven by them. You can see your thoughts for what they are, tie them to an emotion, kind of break that out a little bit, honor those emotions, and again, not let them dictate habits that could possibly be unhealthy or even harmful. So did you turn that work you were doing into a business then? 
I did. It took oh. a while though. <laughs> okay. And what was the business called? So my company agency, that's the part that handles the, uh, the organizational compassion and empathy. But then I started a community called the grow flow, which you mentioned. Right. And what I wanted to do was, um, and I guess it's not that I call it a business. Yeah, I call it more of a community yes. um, because what we do is we just throw out all of these helpful resources, toolkits and infographs, videos, you know, articles. we just put all of this stuff out there, books. Um, I recently started two things. I started um, group coaching because I re people wanted more. They want to talk through that. They also want a level of accountability if they're on this path of healing and growth. Right. Um, and I also have an online program where people want to fully immerse in healing, and that's a six-week program. But those those two components of actually offering something where people would pay, Bruce, those didn't come until like the last six months. Wow. <laughs> because up until that point, I was just driven my heart, and my heart was like, I don't want anybody to feel like they can't afford healing. Let me just put everything out there. But So was this more like a nonprofit? Well, I didn't even establish it as a nonprofit. It was literally me just putting content out there right. in the You're world. just offering it out. <laughs> correct. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Wow. So you must have helped hundreds of people and thousands of people. Is that right? Tell us about somebody that you've helped. Tell us a story about someone that you've helped through that Grow Flow organization. Oh, sure. Sure. Well, uh, let's see. Interestingly enough, I just had this segment on uh, Good Morning America and the producer reached out to me beforehand and she said, hey, you know, there you were nominated by all these people, but they're all over. We can't get them into one room. And I was like, oh, my, I didn't know that I was nominated. And then to hear that it was all over. What's interesting is, I, like I said, I have not made this a formal organization up until a couple months ago. So I don't even know the lives that have been impacted. I will just get random messages sometimes. Um, but it spans from widows who are going through their um, their grief, losing their spouse, or even um, their relationships with in-laws, or or even the tumultuous relationship that happens sometimes with kids, to a friend of mine who was in a toxic work environment. And she also, one thing that she and I discussed was she had a lot of childhood abandonment, and that has been a major theme in her life. And because she hadn't really done anything specific to work through it you know she just kind of lived life on her own values and her own right. terms right. Um, she realized that that would come up while she's in a toxic environment for example this workplace and so one of the things that i told her i said well listen i said you can't change anything that's happened with your dad or your mom and, and we don't even know if that relationship is going to be reconciled so yes there may be an underlying tone of abandonment that just is is something that you live with however you get to choose how you respond to that. Mm. You get to choose how you respond to past hurts and current toxic work environments. And so we worked through that. And one of the things that I think really helped her the most was feeling that power of choice. And I gave her a tool. I said, listen, healthy boundaries is really important. And some people think that it's just physical healthy boundaries, but you can create mental and emotional healthy boundaries because if you do work in a toxic work environment, you can't just run away. <laughs> you no. can't hide under your desk, but instead of allowing yourself to be, um, to feel deflated by it and to feel, um, devalued as well, create those healthy boundaries. So you are not owning those, re uh, those actions that, and those, and that toxicity that other people are throwing at you. And so kind of working through mental and emotional healthy boundaries and also living with that power of choice, she said was really life-changing for her. Wow. And you decided to call it Grow Flow, G-R-O, 
F-L-O. And I know we can access that through KarenMillsap.com, right? That's correct. And yep. Millsap is with two L's, so it's Karen, like it sounds, K-A-R-E-N. And Millsap is M-I-L-L-S-A-P.com. And you can find GrowFlow there. Where did you come up with the name GrowFlow, Karen? Well, I was laying on my back on the ground and I was just thinking, what do I call this? Like, how do I, how do I, and what came to me was, what do I want people to be able to do once they get these tools in their hand? How do I want that to make an impact in their life? And it really came down to, I want them to grow through whatever they're going through, because I do believe we can grow through our hardships. And I want these habits to stick with them so that they can flow with life because we're always going to have something that we're battling. So if they're growing and flowing, then I do believe that we can live an abundant life. I I really like that. And then you have your other organization called Agency, spelled E-G-E-N-C-Y. Tell us about that and how that came about. Yeah. So again, I was thinking about, well, how is my organization going to be known for empathy and compassion? That was the main thing for me. Um, Previously, it was called the grief consultant. And somehow that still follows me, which is good because I do want to make grief less awkward. But grief, the word grief was getting in the way of uh, organizations and leaders accepting this kind of conversation. Because if you say grief, that means you have to admit that you have a problem. And it was too focused on the problem. And I wanted to focus on the solution, which was compassion and empathy. I happened to be laying in bed with my son who was in kindergarten at the time. So he was learning the sounds that short and long vowels make. And we were talking about the short E and it sounds like A. And I kept thinking in my head, earlier in that day, I want my company to be the agent to deliver compassion and empathy. And then that's when it came to my mind. I was like, well, agency, I could spell it with an E. And yeah, it all came together in that moment when I was actually reading with my son. (laughs) Very cool. Very cool. And your client list is outstanding. How were you able to reach out, make these connections and have these fabulous contracts with these big companies? Yeah, you know, the biggest thing for me um, as a single parent and an entrepreneur is really focusing on specific activities that will help me to reach a lot of people. So what is my one activity that helps me to reach a lot of people? Speaking. I don't have a lot of time. I don't have a lot of resources. I don't have a lot of people working for me, right? So I have to really narrow that down. And so I would just say yes to every speaking opportunity, whether it was local, um, whether it was an association, a company event, I was just saying yes, 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 and networking to get those speaking opportunities. And so from my early networking to those speaking opportunities, that's how people from those organizations crossed my path and they heard about this message. And I think that right now we just have a a climate for this kind of conversation because we feel so divided in our world that people are yearning to reconnect. And so compassion and empathy, that's how we're able to reconnect to one another. So thankfully, the leaders of the organization who found me, their heart and their mind is already open to this because, you know, really we've lived too long with that um, old adage of leave your personal stuff at the door and it doesn't work. So the way I was able to get in that position was not only uh, seeking out those networking opportunities and saying yes to all those speaking engagements, but also being grateful or uh, being blessed enough to have people on the other side who are ready and willing to say, yeah, this is actually a topic that we need to bring into the organization. Not that it's not happening. We just haven't created a framework around that. 
So what does this look like? Do you go to the organizations and do training or do you provide online training? How does this work? Yeah, so right now we're just doing facilitator-led training. Um, it may be a workshop, it may be two hours, it may be a full day. Sometimes it's a keynote um, and that's kind of how it gets started. So Sprint, for example, I spoke to their uh, annual sales manager conference and that's where we talked more about and dove into empathy and compassion and what that looks like in a, in a high productive sales environment. Um, but because of the um, uh, demand, e-learning is rolling out in 2019. So yes. we will be offering some online courses um, because the other thing is it doesn't have to be an organizational initiative. If you as an individual and a leader just want to know how you can be better at serving your people, you should have that um, accessibility to go online and get a course so that you can be the best leader you can be. And I want to make that available for them. Oh, that's awesome. Now tell me, how old is your son now? And what have you learned from your son about how to run a better business and how to be mindful in that business? Mm -hmm. Well, he'll be eight next week. <laughs> so exciting times. He said yeah. to me the other day, oh, I can't wait till I'm 18. I'm like, slow down. Baby. <laughs> yeah. We have to get to eight first. Um, I can say that, you know, my son um, is very... He's very empathetic and kind towards other people. And I love, love seeing his heart. But I think he just keeps me in check in my business because I do have to be a, a mom first. And so it helps me to make sure I'm managing my energy. It helps me to make sure that my activities are intentional and I'm not just being busy, you know, so I'm really just making progress because I have to have my best energy for him and I have to have my best mindset for him. Um, I think that the, the biggest thing that I've learned from my son, uh, and I think that we could all learn this from kids in general, is that when I work with him on his homework, he struggles sometimes, right? Because he's learning. So reading sure. comprehension in second grade is something that is a new level. And so when I see him getting really frustrated frustrated and he's like oh i don't know how to do this what i say to him is buddy you're only seven years old you're still learning it's okay like relax but the same way he responds to how he is developing i respond in my frustration and recovering perfectionism <laughs> with my business and so as I see him getting frustrated, really in his frustration, I'm reminded that growth is the opportunity to develop yourself and it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good. So when I say these things to him out loud, because I love him and I want to encourage him, as I say them to him, I'm immediately convicted of a moment that probably happened recently where I'm like, Karen, you should have said that to yourself. And so I kind of, you know, remind myself of those moments where I have to give myself grace, keep myself present and not be overwhelmed by perfectionism. I know you write for Thrive Global. Do you find writing a mindful experience for you? I think that writing is um, writing is so therapeutic, gosh, for so many reasons. You know, for me, writing has helped me to see my journey. And I think that mindfulness, if it's not practiced on a daily basis, it's really easy to not reflect. You know, reflection for me is a part of mindfulness. And so, so writing is me being able to go back and see either how far I've come, 
or I'm able to just take a moment to um, take a break from everything that's pulling from me mentally or emotionally and just kind of center in on the page on the words on the pages. So I do feel I haven't thought about that as you know, a, a mindfulness habit. But you know, now that you're saying it, because my writing for me is reflection, absolutely, it would be a mindfulness habit. That's and it feels so good. It feels yes. so good to not have to, you know, be driven by anything else. And it, I think for me, it brings me fully present. And a lot of times I can live in the future because I'm very ambitious. Um, so yeah, I, I, I would say that. They, I didn't even think about that, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of articles would I see if I looked under your name on Thrive Global? The articles are going to be about healing. You know, how do we heal? How do we take our pain and use it for something good to help others? Um, what are some habits that can help you on your healing journey? Um, anything that has to do with grief to make it less awkward. You know, I'll talk about grief around the holidays because that's a really mm -hmm. heavy time to miss your loved ones. Um, yes. But a lot about healing, a lot about healing. Right. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Helps so many people, you know, through Thank what you. you can share. And I know you said before we hit record that you don't have a story about bullying and you haven't experienced that in your life. And that is so fantastic that well, you, you can that just... I haven't experienced it. I just can't tie mindfulness to it. <laughs> right. I see. I see. Because, you know, mindfulness is one of those things that can be connected to so many different areas of your life. And, and I think bullying is is one of those instances and whether you're uh, you know bullied in in your work that you do or you're you were bullied as a child or you're experiencing bullying with a child or something like that or maybe you know somebody who is a bully i think that understanding that mindfulness is about not judging others can really help in that situation. So you sound like you've just had this natural affinity to mindfulness for a long time. Did you have that when you were a child? Tell us about a day in your life when you were seven years old. What was Karen Millsap like at that time? Mm, busy. <laughs> yeah, you were a busy little girl. Oh, I was so busy. I was running anywhere I could, riding my bike where I could. I played all sports. I mean, I just wanted to do anything, you know, whether it was art, cooking, you know, running in the woods with my friends. I, I'm very social. I, I love spending time with people. Um, you know, I will share this story, though, about bullying, because I do think that it's um, it, it, I hope that it could be helpful to someone. Um, there was a girl who told me that I wasn't black enough. I don't even know how that could be a thing, right? I'm like, is there a meter for this now? Yeah, how is that a thing? Yeah, exactly. Right, right, exactly. And so I didn't know what that meant. I was maybe 10 years old, you know, I was very young. But, you know, to her, because my hair was straight or because I was light skin or whatever, it, it didn't classify as being black enough. And, and she would do things to pull my friends away. And I just didn't understand that. Because again, no. I was raised in a military family where everybody basically got along. You know, you're you are in it together. If you're sure. displaced, you're in it together. So I didn't really understand, but I do remember thinking, I'm not going to let that hurt me. And I just, regardless of how she tried to get in between friends and I, or how she tried to pull friends away or maybe do things that would make them not want to be my friend. And, and I can't think of a specific example. I just remember those wedges that were being brought. I was definitely hurt. You know, I remember yeah. crying to my parents, but I didn't change who I was. You know, specifically, um, one one moment I remember, my best friend and I, we would walk to school together. Mm 
-hmm. So I would walk down the street and he would come down his and they would intersect and we would meet at the corner. Well, as I'm walking to the corner where we would normally meet, he is a few yards ahead with this friend, this other friend, this girl. And so I'm thinking, wait, why, why would that happen? And I didn't realize it. I didn't realize that she was doing this on purpose. It kind no. of struck me later. But I was so hurt by that, that I could have said, well, I'm just not going to be his friend either. I'm not just, you know, well, to this day, he is my son's godfather. He is my best uh. friend. He is like, he is my brother. I mean, I just remember having that mindset, although I was hurt, I didn't want to be defeated. And, and now that I think about it, that has been a major theme in my life because I was absolutely hurt by my husband's death and, and certainly all the changes and losses that came after that. But again, I was in that moment remembering or, or thinking to myself, I don't want to be defeated. Right. Incredible. I think it's incredible how you can help others with this mindset. That's awesome. So as being in a military family, did you move a lot when you were a child? Did you have to keep changing schools and you had to keep making new friends? What was that like? Yeah. You know, I moved about every three to four years. Um, we lived in Illinois, Maryland, Japan for a time period. Oh. Um, before I was born, my parents and my siblings, my older siblings were moving a lot more as well. Um, and interestingly enough, my sister that's just older than me, three years older than me, she and I had very different experiences. And <laughs> we spent the most time together because there's a gap between the elder siblings and I loved it. She hated it. Oh, is that right? <laughs> I loved making new friends. She hated making new friends. <laughs> like it's just, it, you can have the ex same ex same experience and feel completely different. So somehow, sure. yes, I am wired to adapt. I enjoy change. I enjoy adventure. Um, I don't remember moving to a new station and not being excited about it. Wow! Wow! <laughs> Would you consider yourself an extrovert? I would, but I think that I am also an introvert because that's how I regain my energy, you know, oh. is by being to myself and having some alone time. So while I enjoy being uh, uh, social, I also gain that energy back from having some al alone, quiet time. <laughs> wow. I think it's wonderful what you're doing to help the world. And uh, Mindful Tribe, just remember KarenMillsap.com. That's where you can find Karen. Karen, as we move ahead, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. Just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this. Who has been a great influence or mentor in your life when it comes to the topic of mindfulness? I think that although I don't know him, <laughs> Eckhart Tolle. Oh yeah. I really like uh, listening to his uh, videos, if I can find his videos, but I really loved that book, The Power of Now. Uh, it took me a while to get through it, you know, cause I, it was just so powerful and I had to unpack it. So he's my mentor and doesn't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, I love that. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, Karen? I've been able to control my emotions instead of being controlled by them. And there were certainly those days where, you know, the tears were rolling or the anger was just on a hundred and, and I could have made some bad decisions, but I remember specifically saying, nope, that's not me. Those are my emotions and I don't have to own them. Well, tell us this, is breathing a part of your mindfulness? Absolutely. Um, at night, it was really hard when the grief was thick to fall asleep. And I learned this technique of inhaling on one, exhaling on two, uh, counting to 10, but then starting back at one. And that really helped me to fall asleep. 
And it also helps my son because sometimes I was thinking, you know, how can I teach him? And I teach a lot of habits, but that was a habit that helps both of us when our mind is just busy and it may not just be busy with grief, but that is where I learned it and adopted that habit. Could you outline that in a little bit more detail about the counting to 10 part and how this works? Absolutely. So you inhale on one, you exhale on two, and you count again, inhale on three, exhale on four, and you don't have to, um, some people will say, hold it for three seconds. No, you just count as you're inhaling and exhaling in your natural breath rhythm. Right. You only count to 10 and then you go back to one. I can think of maybe, I don't know, two times that I got past doing that three, three rounds <laughs> because usually by the third round, I'm knocked out. <laughs> that's amazing. That's, yes. that's awesome. And I did yeah. learn that from the app Headspace. So if anybody oh. wants to do that with an app, that's where I learned the, the habit. Okay. That's good to know. If you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, would it be Eckhart Tolle's or do you have a different book? Yes. Well, I would definitely say The Power of Now, um, but I would also say uh, Mindset by Carol Dweck. That oh. really helps you to understand growth mindset, you know, because again, for me, mindfulness is about um, being aware of your thoughts and also reframing those negative ones. And so she helps us to understand what it means to adapt the growth mindset. And she also breaks it down. How can you teach it to children or how can you bring it into a classroom? How can you bring it into sports? So I loved her book, Mindset. And do you do, do you use a lot of her techniques in the teaching that you do and the, you know, when you help companies and corporations? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, and I use it mostly with my son. Right. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. And I know you mentioned Headspace is an app you like. I didn't talk with you about meditation. Is that part of your life? And tell us about it if it is. Yeah. Meditation for me is partly breathing because yeah. even during the day, if I feel overwhelmed, I'll take a second. I'll take a few breaths. Sometimes I'll lay down on the ground and do that. Um, but meditation for me is also prayer time, you know, just getting connected to the source and saying, hey, listen, I don't feel like this strength is in me or I don't feel like I have any peace in me. I feel really scattered brain. I just need to. And even having that conversation um, helps to bring me back to center. Um, I remember one time I was feeling just so overwhelmed that I laid on the ground. And as I was breathing, I imagined my body or my spirit going back into my body, starting at my toes and visualizing it all the way up to my hair. I'm like, I just need every single second. And it really helped to ease that anxiety. Um, I haven't had to do that habit in a while, but just definitely felt it was worth sharing if anybody feels like, they're feeling a lot of anxiety. If you can, lay down, focus on your breathing, and imagine your spirit just coming back into your body to feel that center. Well, sitting here, Karen, talking to you, and, and I can see you because we're on Zoom, it's wonderful. I feel such positive and healing vibes from you. I just feel like you are one of those people that is meant to help hundreds and thousands of other people in the world and that's exactly what you're doing and uh, of course can be reached at karenmilsap.com with two L's. Can we reach you on social media? Are you on that as well? Oh yes, absolutely. You can find me on uh, Facebook. I have a Facebook page for Karen Millsap Motivation or you can find The Grow Flow. If you're looking for resources, The Grow Flow is the best way to get that. Um, on Instagram, you can just go to the handle the dot grow flow um, but once you land on my webpage, you'll be able to also get linked to all of those of course 
of course. Karen, it's been a great conversation. I am just thrilled to know you, and I want to thank you again for doing all that you do and for being on Mindfulness Mode today. It's been great. Thank you so much for having me, Bruce. I appreciate this. My pleasure. Bye now. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash whatever episode number you like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. So hit subscribe and share because that truly helps our show. And remember, if you're thinking of launching your own podcast, you can get a free month at Podbean with its awesome pricing and fantastic stats. Uh, you can just do that by going to podbean.com slash podbeanmm, standing for mindfulness mode. So remember, subscribing and sharing helps keep mindfulness mode on the air. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.